of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. It's time for another episode of the Wooth and Y Show. Welcome back to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. I'm Josh Y, and I'm joined on the line, or live in studio, by a very special guest. Spoiler alert in my uh, announcement here. Josh Woot, welcome back. Thanks, mate. How are you going? Um, you know what? The last, I think the last time I was on was Wentz wasn't hurt. That's how long ago it was. And then the next week, he was injured, and I was thinking, you know what? Like, this is nature. I need time off to get things sorted, and when I get back, if Wentz, if if the Eagles are completely out of contention, I will be gutted. But buddy, hell, my buddy Nick Foles, eh? Nick Foles is uh just hanging around. Mm. So it took you about eight weeks now, or not that long, but five weeks to get over Carson Wentz's uh, injury, and now you're back. Mm-hmm. Um, so back from the wilderness, uh, and here we are: Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, Case Keenum. And Tom Brady are the final four, to, final four quarterbacks Did I stutter? left in the 2017-2018 season. One of those is not like the other, as uh, the famous Foo Fighters song says. Yeah. Kind of weird. is in a world of his own. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is... Oh, man. To be Tom Brady is just... Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but 538 did some data. Um, if they make the Super Bowl, it is the easiest path to a Super Bowl ever. Uh, the Titans and the Jags to make the Super Bowl, uh, which is pretty pretty crazy when you think about it. But uh, before we get into all of that, the Lunar Bowl, uh, we're having a meeting this afternoon, actually. But we are. Buy your tickets now. There's only 40 tickets left. So if you're on a fantasy league and you've got a group of 10, buy a table. Otherwise, just get a group of mates together. Check it out. $150, five hours worth of beer, American food. Beer what are we up to now? Like, we're, what? We're five, 500 plus at this point. So it's going to be good. Um, there's a Sailgate cruise uh, for the first, I don't know how many people show up at Circular Quay and hop on the boat, and that's where we'll uh, be doing our thing. Um, so please check out the Lunar Bowl. Just head to lunarparkvenues.com. All right, before we get into uh, news, what was your favorite thing from... Divisional weekend. I'll go first, obviously. Mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs. Touchdown, sir. Sorry, mate. That's fine. Um, the last few weeks... Well, I'm not, the... not going to go away from that anyway. It yep. was ridiculous. <laughs> Definitely uh, that. That was unreal. Uh, it was just... Every time I watch those videos, I still can't help but smile because it's just amazing no, watching I... the pure joy of D- Diggs. Like, he just threw his helmet like 25 yards in the I air. <laughs> it was just I was going to mention that. So... I mean, I, if I was at like a linesman or someone like lineman running over, mm. and then you just see this helmet, like <laughs> <laughs> the ref flew the, through the flag, like oh, I have to do this. You could see on his face is like I have to do this, yeah. but they actually didn't enforce the penalty because they snapped the ball at the two. Yeah. So unless it's supposed to be enforced after the kickoff, potentially, I don't know. But yeah, it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But the ref knew he had to throw the flag. But yeah. Um, and then Diggs's interview with Justine Anderson, just like. No cliche. It was just pure joy on his face. It's 
That's what I'd imagine is just inhaling all of the world's drugs and just being on that type just, of high. Yeah. yeah, you're just hovering above your what own about, body. What about, um, we've got to talk about like the missed tackle that led to it. Is that just... It's Raheem Moore-esque. It's, oh, it was one of the worst. It yeah. was just one of, I'm going to close my eyes and please... I don't understand what he, he was He was thinking. way off, though. Yeah, he I, was way and off. He had a good season, too. Like he, yeah. uh, I think PFF released their like second-round grade rookies this, uh, just today, and Marcus Williams had the highest grade of all the rookies drafted in the second round. So he had a great season. I think he was on the Pro Football Riders of America or Pro Team at safety as well. Um, and then I just don't understand what he was thinking. I'm, I'm guessing the game on the line, he's trying to try to make sure he tackled Diggs yeah. Like in well, in bounds and not out of bounds, but even if you t- took him out of bounds, I don't think there would have been any time left on the clock no, anyway. Exactly. So, but uh, I don't know. I feel for the guy. Like someone has to feel the pain and be the loser in this situation for that moment to be so special. Yeah, you're watching this happen, and you're like, "There's no way there's going to be a miracle here." Yeah. No. Well, and part of that favorite thing was uh, some of the fan reactions. My favorite one was this kid in Hawaii, and he's just squealing for like. Four minutes, and then his dog comes running over, and his dog's wearing a jersey as well, oh which gosh. is just the best. So. Speaking of Hawaii, yeah, that midweek when there was the f- false uh, false oh, yeah. alarm in yeah. regards, that was. I saw a, an interesting tweet about that yesterday in terms of Pornhub data. Interesting. Um, it it dropped unbelievably low during the the faux call, and then it spiked unbelievably high once everyone realised it was. A, a false alarm. So, um, pure relief on the island of Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I just found that. That's pretty good. It's pretty interesting, that data. It's crazy. How'd you find that out, mate? Was it on there? It was, was it on, on the website? It was on Twitter, actually, yeah, so, sure um, which is pretty funny. But anyway, uh, so that was my favorite thing for the Divisional Weekend. I took it from you. What was your favorite thing? My favorite thing? Yep. <sighs> to be honest, it was it was probably just the fact that Billy won. It was. It got to a point where... Everyone had written the Eagles off. I don't want to say I'd written the Eagles off, but you know, seeing Foles a few previous mm. weeks was a bit shaky. But uh, mate, put it all behind. Second him. half strong, and we'll get we'll get to that. Every, everyone was in the lead up. Just keeps on bringing up that one game where he threw seven touchdowns, and it was like, all right, we get it. It was a good game, but yeah, to one off. <laughs> yeah, let it go. And then the dog masks. Fan of those? They sold out on Amazon yeah. twice, so that's crazy. Yeah, so yeah. I'm expecting I do, I a lot do, of those. Yeah, uh, I this do week. like the underdog tag; it's kind of working. Yep. But so, uh, Lane Johnson uh, was the man that uh, brought it all out. So, if he is a dog, his favorite uh, food would be PED grease, right? Pedigrees. I'm not doing that. No. Okay. No, what was your least favorite thing from the weekend? My least favorite thing. Uh, we'll stick with Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't know how he got so drunk. This man, um, <laughs> Taylor Hendricks was his name. He uh, started having a, I don't know how it came about, but he started getting a little bit mad and then yeah. started punching a police horse. Oh, boy. Um, Bold strategy. I don't know when you get to a point that you're that drunk that you see a horse and feel like you need to punch it, but I d- it wasn't just one punch. It was he punched it in the head and the shoulders. And oh, boy. Did it kick him? I don't understand. Like, what? What? what goes through people's minds where they feel like they have to punch a horse. I don't know, but, you know. Oh, boy. 
Taking out frustration. I really wish like horses were self-aware that they could enact revenge on on a person a few hours later. Like maybe line the guy up and let the horse kick him in the shins or something. That that'd be all right. That's some weird and unusual sort of Black Mirror esque punishment. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if I have a least favorite thing. I guess it is probably just people abusing the hell out of Marcus Williams. I guess I feel for him, yeah. even though I've been on the side of that abusing Raheem Moore um, on many occasions, but never personal. I just. Uh, yeah. yeah, just a low blow on the football field sort of thing. But anyway. Like, I get it. He should have made the tackle. There's not really any excuses. <laughs> yeah, true. So but, uh, he fronted up there. So oh, yeah. Appreciate that. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. Talking tidbits. We'll fly through these before getting into recapping the divisional games and then previewing uh, conference weekend. But the Seattle Seahawks announced... Hiring a brand-new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. They hired ex-Colts quarterback coach Brian Schottenheimer and Ken Norton, who uh, barely made it as a, for a year as a defensive coordinator in Oakland as their defensive coordinator after letting Chris Richard walk. There's been some mass changes in Seattle, and I think we're going to see more of that in terms of players as well with some older players and some injured players potentially forced to retire. Or move on. Both these hires are very uninspiring in my mind. Um, I don't understand Schottenheimer at all, who is just not proven to be the best uh, offensive coordinator in the NFL. And then obviously Ken Norton. I'm not sure what what the go is there. I don't know. I, I like. I agree. They they do sound uninspiring, but this is like. A franchise that seems to know what it's doing in regards to something. I think they, mm. I think they were kind of possibly caught up a little bit too too long in the whole Legion of Boom and that kind of uh, persona, if you like, yep. in regards to all those players and things like that. I do agree that they're going to like, I wouldn't say clean house entirely, but they're going to let a, a bunch of dudes leave. Yeah, I think there's going to be a, it's going to be a, a weird off season. But you know, good news is Tom Cable's out there. Um, that was a problem with their offense was. Him and that offensive line, so that's a one. That's a one positive for them. Uh, moving on, the uh, Colts are expected to hire uh, Patriots offensive coordinator. This Josh, is so good, Josh McDaniels. This makes me feel um, so good as their so. head coach. I'm glad you are back for this because I know how much um, joy it's giving you in in my pain. Um, McDaniels is a guy I I didn't want. I I am I very sc- McDaniels. Yeah, I'm very skeptical. Look, I'm still pleased because I'm on the anyone but Pagano camp. Um, I'm happy to see Pagano leave. Um, that and all his cliches. Nice guy though. But um, I am. I just can't get McDaniels' record as an offensive coordinator and a head coach outside of New England um, out of my mind when he doesn't have Bill Belichick holding one hand and Tom Brady holding the other hand. Um, so I am. A little bit skeptical of the hire. Um, I think Luke Charles, our friend that's been on the show a few times, posed an interesting question because the Titans were kind of in the running late. Would I rather McDaniels be terrible and hide by the Colts or hide by the Titans end up being great and miss out on McDaniels? And I honestly couldn't answer that question. That's a, that, that's a tough one. Yep. I know but you like him. I... I like him from the standpoint that I think he is a, like a great offensive mind. Like I, I genuinely think he is. He's got his head screwed on when it comes to offensive play calling, and he knows how to get the best. I think it's a good hire for Andrew Luck. I think yep. that's good for him. Yep. Who's your defensive coordinator? Um, now this is the hire I'm more happy about. It's Matt Uberflus, which yep. sounds like great a Rick name. and Mor- Rick and Morty character, mm-hmm. to be honest. But 
he's a guy that does a lot of the passing defense coordination for the Cowboys and then is also responsible for Sean Lee and uh, the Cowboys linebackers. And that's the one area of need the Colts really have is, is linebackers. Right. So um, I definitely um, am happy with that hire. The offensive coordinator is the Raiders quarterback coach. I don't know a whole lot about him at all, but so McDaniels will be play calling anyway. It, Surely, right? Yeah, like you, he has to be. Yeah, exactly. So my, my concern is if McDaniel's wants roster control. If he doesn't, then that's fine because I trust Chris Ballard. Mm-hmm. Um, his first five draft picks last year all look good. So, and some of the hires we had in free agency, Javal Shear, John Simon, that all looks good. If we give another year of Chris Ballard, and then McDaniel's actually does a good job with Andrew Luck, then things aren't going to be that bad. I don't think they'll be bad, but I think they'll yeah. be good. Yeah. The AFC South is going to be quietly competitive next year with if, if Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck are both healthy. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Pat Shermer is expected to be the Giants' top choice to replace Ben McAdoo as their head coach. Um, so Shermer will accept the job if offered, um, and the move cannot be formalized until the Vikings are eliminated from the playoffs. Um, so whether that will be this week at the hands of uh, Woods' Philadelphia Eagles or whether it'll be in a fortnight um, in a home Super Bowl. Um, that begs to be the question. But Shermer previously coached the Browns. Um, he was he compelled a 9-23 and record in 2011-2012. In but now looking back at how bad the Browns have been, him and like Mike Pettin and stuff, you've you got to actually kind of give him a pat on the back because to manage to win four or five games for the Browns at, at, at this point is an achievement. Yeah, I, I'm so... I look at this from two different sides like like you said you look at how bad the browns are and you think you know they can't get a win now mm. and he managed to get nine like yeah, yeah pretty good but yeah. then you think it's still like yeah to me this is far more uninspiring than say the josh mcdaniels high mm. like it's just yeah uh, but i he's but done a lot a, of people felt job. that way about doug Pedersen. so that is true that is very very true um and then Schefter has also reported the lions expect to hire patriots defensive quarter coordinator Matt Patricia as their next head coach. Um, he's been the front runner to place McAdoo in, in New York, but uh, obviously they went a different direction, and it was obvious because I think Patricia preferred the Lions job because I think he wanted to be reunited with the former Patriots scout and current Lions general manager Bob Quinn. So he's 43, so he's still quite young for a coach. Uh, so that that's definitely interesting hire for, for the Lions, given how bad... New England's defense were for the first month of the season, but um, and we're going to talk about this in the preview. But since then, the Pats' defense has been vastly underrated and, and done a very good job. Yeah, I to me this is weirder. Like I would, if you yeah. had to pick, would you pick Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia? Uh, Matt Patricia? I'd, I'd pick McDaniels. I don't know. I how, didn't know I Matt Patricia. Yeah, I didn't know who he existed. No, I, I didn't know Matt Patricia was like <laughs> a candidate for a head coaching yeah. role. Uh, it, would you rather Matt Patricia or Jim Schwartz? Uh, not for the Lions, by the way. They've been yeah, the gym. Shorts, yeah, so. uh, I don't know. I... See, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But see, pa- Patriot, former Patriot coordinators did not have a good job outside of Belichick and the Patri- Patriot system because Belichick has, has that control. While you do a good job, anything that you may make a mistake or two on, Bill Belichick can make up for. When you're outside of that environment, you've got no one else as good or as great as Belichick to make up for those mistakes. So that's always tricky with these Patriot coordinators. Yeah, and Belichick seems to absorb all the criticism and it's kind of, you know, mm. so like if McDaniels has a bad game or something like that, 
it's on the it always seems to be on the whole team. It seems to be on Belichick and Brady and yeah. things like that where it doesn't really shine on him. So it makes yeah. him look a little bit better. The same with Matt Patricia. Yeah. So interesting hires and it'll be a a weird off season for the Pats if they do lose Patricia and McDaniels and it looks like Brian Flores as well, potentially the linebacking coach might be a finalist for the job in in Arizona, um, or he might be hired as uh, as a defensive coordinator under Patricia. Um, so that's something to monitor. Three point stance. Technically a four point stance here, but we're recapping uh, divisional games. Let's start with the the very first one off the bat: Atlanta ten, Philadelphia fifteen. Some talking points in this game, basically for me, was and I, we, I talked about this when Wentz got taken down or put on IR is Philly's built right in the trenches. If they can dominate the line of scrimmage, they have a chance to win most games that they play. And that's what they did in this game. And then, obviously, Nick Foles had that strong second and a half. And then, obviously, that home field advantage in Philly in that weather, in that environment, in that wind is definitely massive. What did you think of, of the game? Yeah, no, I, I like that uh, Foles didn't take too many chances. Like, it was a... It was Apart a, from that first throw, yeah. that was awful. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, besides from the duck that he threw yeah. for the first pass. Um, and there was, there was like, I admit there was um, some extreme, extremely um, kind of luck fall his way when it was batted down. And I can't remember. I think it was Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith caught it, which was just, you know, complete luck. But outside of that, it was a lot of uh, conservative play calling and things like that, which was, it worked well for him. Um, against the Vikings, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher, but... Uh, mm. Yeah, the the line of scrimmage to start off the game, I was a bit nervous, mm. but uh, as it came on, they adjusted well. They did, and I, I like to see that. Yeah, and obviously the big talking point you got to focus on the losers here at times because we'll, we'll focus more about the winners in our preview. But what the hell was that final drive from Steve Sarkeesian, especially on goal to go situations? Um, the the second play was uh, some kind of weird shovel pass to Teron Ward. That was weird. Like, what the hell was that? I don't know. That it was, it was so weird. I don't it, get it. It was weird, and the thing is, is that that final play, right? Fullback lined out on the left. I know, but that whole that whole play, it was you know even even the the, the commentators were, were like you know this is the play this is the one they've been playing all, like preparing for this is the one that you know. Mm. This is the one that they're most confident with in their entire playbook to get this down, and they barely took any time to get it like sorted. And then they ran that thing where they tried to throw it to Julio, and it was, it was just so weird. I just don't understand taking out three quarters of the field, and then when you actually watch, I think next gen stats, Matt Harmon posts some of the um, images, and it has the yeah. trackers on the helmets, but it has like four players all converging on the one point where all the defenders are also converging on the one point. I just don't understand why you're throwing the ball in that traffic where all it takes is a finger or a hand on something to, to stop it from being completed. Meanwhile, you have a fullback with, like, I don't know how many yards it is, like 30 yards of just open space. Yeah, I, I don't understand why, like, Mohamed Sanu or someone's out there. Like, I don't mind that actual play call if you have someone legit out wide, but a fullback out wide, I don't get it. Do you know one thing as well? One thing that <clears throat> was on that final play, I was like, bold choice from Jim Schwartz lining up Jalen Mills on Julio Jones. On yeah, the end. and he made the and play. And he, he made the play, and I was like, 
damn, that was crazy. Like the guy's like so so small he's in hit, comparison. He's hit and miss as a as a corner as well. Like he makes oh. some amazing plays, and then he he'll have some games where he's just toast. So. Which is like, yeah. uh, you just hope to God <laughs> that he steps up. In the Live and die by the uh, Jalen Mills. Great haircut though. He's oh. got the uh, the green hair, right? The green goblin. The green goblin. That's that's his uh, Twitter <laughs> handle. I think. Oh really? Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. Anything else on this game? My, my major, my major beef is with uh, yeah Steve Sarkeesian, who has been retained as offensive coordinator, and Dan Quinn says you can't blame one person, but you know if, if you can, it would if be you him. can, it'd be him. Yeah. yeah. No, I just the as long as the uh, the home fans turn up the same way, I think that 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 will be that will definitely be a key um, advantage in. Philly's favour coming Massive. up against the Vikings. I, I gotta they say, were really into it. Like, really scary into it. It's, <laughs> it's intense. I'll say this as well. The Falcons, look, I know they lost um, as a favourite in the divisional game and, and probably ruined the chance of getting to back-to-back, you know, NFC Championship games or Super Bowls, but still an amazing season, especially after, you know, that embarrassing Super Bowl loss. Um, it's tough to even get back to the playoffs, let alone win a game on the road against the Rams, who are a very hot team at that point. So, hell of a job. Their defense is looking good. Uh, so, I think they'll still be in the in the thick of it next season. It took Matt Ryan two seasons to fully grasp um, Kyle Shanahan's offense. So, maybe maybe this is the best Steve Sarkeesian year um, coming up in uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Possibly. All right. Uh, Tennessee 14, New England 35. Um, basically a bye week for the Patriots. Pretty pretty easy game. Uh, look, the Titans got hosed by some bad calls, especially that Eric Decker pass interference. It didn't matter, but still, you, you don't like to see like a 14-point favorite um, get helped by the flags, and it seemed to be relentless, um, the amount of flags that resulted in Pat's first down. There was a couple on special teams that resulted in that 90-yard drive, which pretty much put the game out of reach early in the second quarter there, and it was pretty much game game over. But seven sacks... For the Pats defense, so underrated, overlooked as well. Um, and Brady and Belichick just uh, too strong. And it was just the biggest coaching mismatch ever. Mike Malarkey against uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, Mike's there. It, it kept panning to him on the sideline. It was just like he was always in the same position. Just, you know, like either arms folded, just staring ahead, thinking like, well, what do I have to do here? He was just, it looked like he was really out of his depth. It did not look good. He, uh... But New England, you could just tell that they... It just looked like the Titans weren't prepared. It just it genuinely looked like they didn't know what to do after they went down. And the Patriots were just like, all right, well, we're just going to continue what we're doing over here. And uh, this should be put to bed. Yeah, it was pretty... It was probably the most boring game. I want some money on this game. Yeah, I, I backed it. When they, they went down and I made a live bet and... Uh, I good. Good have stuff. done that many a time if the Pats give up the first touch. It doesn't happen very often, but no. their price will drift out, 20, 30 cents. Great. So I think, what, what price did you get? Was it? So, so I, oh, hang on, I actually can't remember the price. Well, they, uh, like, because the original line started at 13, right? Yep. And then I, <clears throat> they went down for that first touchdown, and I just called up and said, I'll take the line, and they went five and a half, and I went, nah, the original line, or whatever, and then. Yep. Sweet. Done. Yeah, it was like they were a dollar eleven or something to start, and then when they gave him that touchdown, you could have got like dollar thirty five, dollar forty, and yeah. even like just ridiculous odds. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's too much else to really say about this game. It was pretty clear cut. Look, the Titans were between a rock and a hard place with Mike Malarkey. They gave him an extension after the win in the wild card weekend, and then said that they were going to keep him. But 
Um, I think it was the right decision to eventually let him go. They were trying to find like an excuse to let him go, and it was disagreements about changes to coordinators and things that the uh, management was trying to do. But the owners were the ones that didn't want to fire him. He's so an uninspiring man. He is. Original- it's great for Mariota to have a new coach. Yeah, I mean, I- are you, yeah, now it goes back. Would you? Are you glad you have McDaniel's? Yeah, because Mariota with McDaniel's. If McDaniel's is who we think McDaniel's is, or what many expect McDaniel's is, then that could be a scary prospect. But Matt Lafleur is the guy they're looking at, the Rams' offensive coordinator, who's been working under Sean McVay for the past couple of seasons. So that could be a scary prospect. I won't lie. I'm just really glad Philly seem to be keeping all their coaches because they a lot of them were able to go out and have an interview and yeah. things like that. I'm, Schwartz is a good DC. I just don't think he's oh, made to be a head I, coach. Either do I. Yeah. I don't think he can control an entire team. Yeah, where I. You know, He's a bit of a loose... Yeah. Ever since that handshake debacle. By the way, the handshake thing, Sean Payton and uh, um, the Bucks head coach had a little bit of a Jim Schwartz uh, scenario a couple of weeks back, which was uh, very, hey, very I like Jim Schwartz. That guy's... <laughs> He's fire. That's such a weird I, 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 I won't lie, though. I, I won't lie, though. Previously, when he was head coach of the Lions, didn't like Remember the guy. Remember when he got carried off the field after beating the yep. Lions when he was with the Bills? What is, what is the guy, there? I don't know. The, the players must love him. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't a giant fan of him when he was with the Lions. Yep. All right. Let's uh, get to the they were Monday games here, Sunday games in the U.S. Jacksonville 45, Pittsburgh 42. What the... Like, if I told you that that Ben Roethlisberger would throw five touchdowns against the Jaguars' defense, Pittsburgh would score 42 points and lose, you would have asked, you would have checked me into a facility. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> no, a, I'd be th- a, with you through thick and thin, buddy. What an but... insane game. Pittsburgh's the first team in NFL history to lose a, play, a home playoff game after scoring more than 38 points. I did not expect any of this. No, there's... Uh... All right, I, I I was not able to watch this game in full as it was on a Monday morning. Yep. So um, I checked the score fourth quarter and was like, "Huh, well there you go." I was just like, "The Jags' defense is legit," and this is like, you know, when you try to like completely analyze a game from just the score line and you like try to predict or understand what's happened, and you've I've gone, "All right, yep, Jags are up by you know say fifteen, so." Yep. And I'm like, "Yep, that that." You know, they must be just having one of those games where the defense is turning up. Roethlisberger must be struggling or anything like that. Just not the case. And then no. when you find out the final score was 45-42, you're like, what wait, the... what happened in that last the, like The total was 41. It was like that uh, that 49ers-Rams game where we were on the under and ended up being 80 points in the game. Yeah. Uh, look, two turnovers costly early in that game. Ben Roethlisberger had that pick, but wasn't really that bad of a pick. It was just Miles Jack being an incredibly athletic linebacker and making the play. Um, it's crazy that uh, you know a top-five talent is overlooked as a player on that defense. They're just so loaded that Miles Jack's almost like a forgotten man in in Jacksonville. And then that fumble recovery by Telvin Smith for the touchdown really put it out of reach. But this was one of my favorite Ben Roethlisberger games ever because like he was desperate and down, and he was just throwing deep. And Antonio Brown, despite being injured, made three, maybe four incredible catches, two of them for touchdowns. Just unbelievable that Antonio Brown continues to amaze me, even though we kind of expect it every week. It still blows my mind that he does it. Yeah, I, I know, like, when you start a game, you have to be, you know, you stick to script, you play like that. But if Roethlisberger started this game like he finished it and, like, yeah. you know, wasn't down and played like this, they could have, like... Absolutely destroyed the Jaguars. Yeah, they but got too conservative to start the game. I like, know. they were scared. Like, I don't understand it. It's Todd Haley, like, 
some key fourth downs as well. Fourth and short, you pitch it five yards behind the line of scrimmage against the Jags' defense to make one yard. That was silly. We've had some other ones where, like, you have you literally have a quarterback who's named after a clock tower. Just four forward. I like that the, the Pittsburgh, uh, like, as a whole, seemed to, you know, it was like two seasons ago, maybe, they seemed to kind of be maybe looking like they were getting old and going out of it and there was, you know, rumors about Mike Tomlin and stuff like that. Like yeah. I like that Mike Tomlin is back and everything's like kind of kind of right in Pittsburgh. But they need new coordinators, I think. Exactly. Like Tomlin's a great like, orchestrator. Yeah, but he needs better coordinators and Todd Haley obviously is out. He made some bad decisions in that game and cost them that game early because that that, that whole game was out of whack from third or fourth minute in because of some conservative play calling from him that sort of change the fabric of that very game. So sometimes those games go just go sideways and unexpected. If you thought the Jags were going to win, it was going to be a low-scoring sort of gritty affair, like a 17-14 or something like that. But 45-42, my days, it's just whew, crazy. Uh, ben Roethlisberger as well is coming back. Not No retirement uh, talk. Uh, so how about that? One for the team, Big Ben. We don't have to talk about him uh, being the bell of the ball Thanks, this offseason mate. again. By the way, looking at all the scores, they're all so different on yeah. that weekend. You had a, lo- a close, low scoring. You had a, like a, a demolition from the Pats. Then you've got the huge, high scoring game. And then you've got the, the you know, finish. The, the finish. The instant classic. That's the last game. New Orleans twenty four, Minnesota twenty nine. Now I have a colleague at work who's in the in the states right now, and he he went to the Pats game. He's a Pats fan. Um, and to strike the deal up to arrange that, his wife said, fine, we'll go to that game, but you need to go with me to a musical the next night. So he goes into Wizard of Oz. It's New Orleans, 17-0. Oh, it's fine. I'm not missing much. Uh, sorry, Minnesota, 17-0. I'm not missing much. It's going to be a blowout. Minnesota, that defense, that, they'll win with that at home with a lead. Anyway, intermission, it's 24-23. Oh, what am I missing? Crazy. New Orleans won. I'll go back and watch that. Go back in. Phone back off. Comes out of it. His phone is just blowing up. Like he missed. He missed the final drive. Um, the timing of it all was insane. And twenty nine, twenty four. Imagine missing that to watch a Pats blowout. <laughs> Although, if you want to see your team in a playoffs, exactly. you remember it. You remember yeah. thirty five points. You got to watch Brady um just completely take down a team and Dion Lewis and you got to see Gronk score a touchdown and, and things like that. So that's always pretty cool. But this finish, uh is that one of the best playoff games you've ever seen? It is. It is definitely. Um yeah, I still I know that when anything like this happens there has to be a cause for it and there was someone like in this case it was Marcus Williams and, you know, there's always you know, that shouldn't have happened because of Marcus Williams kind of thing. But yep. It always it always happens. It even with uh you know like I know they weren't playoff games, but even the hail marys that like Rogers throws and stuff like that. There's always someone that could have done better or yeah. something. So yeah, I, no, I I agree. It was it was crazy, especially that it's Minnesota. Like Minnesota hasn't had they've had a you know wretched luck in regards to some things, especially their quarterbacks and stuff. And, uh, and that's and that's a whole different thing. Yeah, like how depending on how well they go, do they keep Case Keenum? Like, yeah, that's that is something. And they're in a unique, such a unique scenario where they're heading to potentially a home Super Bowl and they have three quarterbacks that are probably better than the two starters for the other teams. Like, you'd, you'd rather Teddy Bridgewater 
or Sam Bradford over Blake Bortles or Nick Foles potentially. I know you you still love Foles. And oh, everything. I'm a bit uh, yeah. Like, but um, um, but like, let's be real here. Like all three of the Vikings quarterbacks could probably start for every other team in the playoffs. That's not obviously Tom Brady. Um, so it's just insane scenario what they're in. And then you mentioned the luck that they've been through. Blair Walsh missing that field goal and, and things like that in just in recent history. And then the Brett Favre thing, coincidentally, against Drew Brees and the Saints. Um, it's it's crazy that they're finally on the right side of, 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 of the luck or the great play this time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This can't... Bortles, Case Keenum, and Nick Foles are in the playoffs. Yeah. What? <laughs> of course. And no matter how many times you say that, it still doesn't feel Think about right. how much crap we gave Blake Bortles to, like this have. entire season. Although me and RJ, when uh, he, he filled in for you uh, while you were away for a bit, after Blake Bortles had a solid month of good football, we had a topic on the show, is Blake Bortles actually good? A week later capitulates yep. <laughs> of course um but should the vikings be concerned that they couldn't close out a 17 nil lead uh potentially yeah but it's, it is drew Brees. like on the flip side of the coin you kept drew Brees scoreless and forced two turnovers from him in the first 30 minutes um he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever it, it's hard to hold a man down like that constantly yeah and see that's the thing so like you're going into this week, you're going up against Nick Foles, which is, like, as much as it pains me to say, he's yeah. no Drew Brees. <laughs> um, oh, my God, no way. <laughs> no, no, really, no way. Um, but he's, like, it's going to be an entirely different game focus and everything. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. It's going to, it's completely, completely different to last week in the, in the matchups and things. Yep. I don't know, I don't know how the Eagles are going to approach. I have no idea. It's weird. I, I mentioned, is this your favorite playoff game? The, the other one that comes to mind was actually another Drew Brees loss, unfortunately. And that's my point here. Remember when uh, Alex Smith and the 49ers beat the Saints 36-32? I'll just read the last five, the fourth quarter here. It's New, San Fran are up 20-17 to after a John Cassay uh, 48-yard field goal. Then, uh, Hang on, was this the Vernon? Yeah, is it that yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. So... So, sorry, the 49ers led 20-14 to 14 at the end of the third quarter. Saints kick a 48-yard field goal. It's 20-17. to 17. Akers then kicks a 37-yard field goal. It's 23-17. Then Drew Brees throws a 44-yard touchdown pass to Darren Sproles, and then they make the kick. So they're in front 24-13. to 13. So that's, what, that's Drew Brees' first go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter to take a lead. Then Alex Smith has that 28-yard rush. And they failed the extra point, uh, the two-point two conversion. So it's now 29-24, which is the score we had last week. Then, with a minute 37 left, Jimmy Graham gets a 66-yard pass from Drew Brees to take the lead, and they get the two-point conversion. So it's 32-29. to 29. So that's Drew Brees' second go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. And then with nine seconds left, Vernon Davis catches a 14-yard pass from Alex Smith they make the kick 36-32. So now Drew Brees now has three um, go-ahead touchdown passes in the fourth quarter and then go on to lose a game. He's now surpassed Peyton Manning, who's done that twice on two separate occasions. And that actually doesn't include the Raheem Moore thing because it went to overtime. Um, So really, both of them now have had sort of three scenarios here. Um, Brees, two in one game, where they've been clutch in the fourth quarter and still don't have a win to show for it. 
Um, Drew Brees' you know, career could have been much different if, if some of these results went a different way. It's pretty insane. Uh, I think that game maybe does top the Vikings one. That was pretty... Yeah, I still remember watching yeah, that. Like, that was I epic. think there's just recency bias, but and because of the situation, and it's Case Keenum, and it's the Vikings at home. And so. then you look back at it, and you're like, Alex Smith to Vernon Davis, what a weird connection yeah, that yeah. was. <laughs> Case Keenum, Stefan Diggs, not that weird, really. Mm. Um, so the Saints going forward, I think they should be happy with the way that they are. Remember we were talking about potentially breaking up the Peyton Breeze combo because it had just been stale. They had like four, seven, and nine seasons in a row. But it shows how good one draft can be. All the young rookies I have now, Marshall and Lattimore, Marcus Williams, Crawley, yeah, they, they, Sheldon Rankins. They smashed it. Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchek. They have all these young players now. Apart from Breeze, a lot of their talent is locked up in, in young players. Yep. Michael Thomas as well, your boy. Mm-hmm. So he's a bona fide star. He's the like, he's legit. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. Three, snap, picks. All right, let's get into it. Pre-snap picks time. AFC championship game. Um, when I wrote this last night, the Jags were nine point underdogs. It's now seven and a half because the Pat's mind game surrounding Brady's hand. He's got a sore thumb. Has now uh, changed it's, the. Uh, it's legit. It's, uh, he's fine. Yeah, he's going to wear fine. a Kevlar glove. He's fine. Uh, so it's now seven and a half. Uh, the Pats are favourite against the Jags. But all the talk in this match is Brady versus Jaguars defence. Can they Can they do it? Can they stop Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick? Uh, in my humble opinion, no. Because um, it's... At the end of the day, as... As you know, as good as the Jags have been, the Patriots are just the Patriots, and I don't. It shouldn't. It, the focus of this game shouldn't all be on Brady versus Jags defense. You know, obviously, that's what the talk will be. The commentators will be talking about that, but I'm I'm interested to see if Bortles, you know, like you previously said, if he uh, capitulates or he, you know, stands up and has, you know, one of those. One of those rare bottle games where he, mm. you know, he crushes it. So, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see how long the defense of the Jags can hold with the Patriots offense. So, I think they, I genuinely do think they'll have some some success. I think they'll, you know, come in, hit them hard, that kind of thing. But whether or not they can actually hold with them for a sustained period of time is, you know, that remains to be seen. Yeah, it is interesting. And I do think that, the Jags have a recipe here that they can trouble the Patriots for a while. Um, obviously, Malik Jackson did it in Denver, um, so he can replicate some of that with Calais Campbell and and inside and, and and the Tom Coughlin factor. So he wrote the kind of the book there on how to how to beat this team um, with their interior pressure from Justin Tuck and and Michael Strahan and and um, Ossie Umanura and and players like that. So it's definitely the way to do it. You need to just uh, hit the quarterback early and often and up the middle. Grady Jarrett again as well last year. I'm sure the Jags have watched a lot of his tape last um, last postseason. So, you know, if you can get him out of rhythm, then that might be the way to do it. Um, the last time the Pats lost in the playoffs was the 2015 AFC Championship game. Brady was hit 17 times in that game. Do you think... All right, so it's it, obviously a lot of it's going to be focused around Gronk. I think they're going to have some success against these wide receivers. <clears throat> the way the Jags' d- defense lines up, I think they're, mm. they're built to stop these wide receivers. These wide receivers 
they don't have that number one wide receiver. That number one wide receiver is Gronk, and then he doesn't obviously line up in the same way that you you know you standard Antonio Brown type wide receiver would. So, do you think they double team him and then just try to try to manage the underneath stuff to uh, Dion Lewis and you know the likes of uh, James White and mm. Amendola and that kind of thing, or do you think they you know they just try to like somewhat man mark because I think their safeties you know they can cause Gronk trouble if he's he's playing down the middle. Yeah, I, I but, think Gronk is the most important player in this game. Yeah, I, if they shut him down. It, it it could be a really one dimensional attack for the Pats, where because I do think Boye and Ramsey can shut down Cooks and and, and uh, Chris Hogan, possibly Danny Amendola against Aaron Colvin could be the matchup that that the Pats look at as well. But if it means that they only have to keep dinking and dunking, then you've you've got these linebackers for the Jags that can po- possibly shut that down if they if they mark up heavy and don't give too much cushion. If you give Dion Lewis a and James White, a tiny bit of space, they make you pay for it all the time after the catch. Lewis has been a stud. He's had 507 yards of scrimmage over the past four games. Like, And they're 8-0 when he exceeds 100 rushing or receiving yards in a game. Mm-hmm. So I think as much as we say that and we look at that and think, you know, if they can cover Gronk, they, you know, there's a there's a high chance of success. Every time I think that, mm. this dink and dunk game works still just freaking destroys them like and it's well, and it, like you're watching it and you think all right they're going to throw it to Dion Lewis or James White just you know keep your head screwed on and look for those guys still works. they still get it in yeah. the middle of nowhere and i'm thinking i could be a defensive I, I coordinator in this league i guess it's how much resources it takes to cover gronk because if you have to double team him that allows the dinking and dunking to work because the running backs got a lot more room in the flat like i think that's kind of where they that's why Gronk's so important. Like, even if he has a quiet game, it's still opening up the field for the underneath, for, for Lewis in the slot or, or White in the slot or Amendola in the slot, who had a big game last week. But Amendola, still, yeah, still kicking it. He come, always seems to come good in the playoffs. I'd like to see his playoff numbers as you opposed know, to, like... You know Chris Hogan's back? Yeah. Do you know he oh played boy. lacrosse? He did. By the way, if I asked you... Um, okay, Brady's played 11... AFC Championship games. Mm-hmm. How many touchdowns do you reckon he has in 11 um, AFC Championship games? Just have a guess. 13. Oh, a bit more than that. 15 uh. in 11 games. How many interceptions do you reckon he has in 11 AFC Championship games? 13. T- 12. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, his numbers in the championship games aren't that great, but they've Just done gets it. There. But they do enough to win. So he's he's actually got a quarterback rating of 84 in, in championship games, and he's uh, yards per attempt down in the in the sixes. So, you know, that dinking and dunking to running backs, it works. It doesn't look great on paper, but it works. Um, but I think that the underrated part of this whole matchup is the Pats' defense. Underrated. They have they've allowed an average of fourteen points over their last thirteen games, and just twelve point one six over their last six home games. Why is no one talking about this Patriots defense? It's just stellar. Because Brady doesn't play defense. <laughs> that is true. Um, but do you know who's given away uh, yeah, thirty-two points now over their last four home games? The mm, Jags. D. I'm gonna go the Jags. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the Pats might have the actual better scoring defense right now than the Jags. Nice. So that could be something that I think is underrated, and we know Bill Belichick can shut down your number one weapon. He does it when he plays the Colts every time. He just shut down T.Y. Hilton every single time. 
and he'll shut down Leonard Fournette, who's carrying an ankle injury anyway, and after that ankle injury, only averaged 2.08 Mate, yards that, per That run cut. that he did, he like just supermaned it. And mm. just... Amazing. Um, but yeah, 2.08 yards per carry after that ankle injury. So I think it'll be easy to shut Leonard Fournette down, and then Bill Belichick says, all right, if you're going to win this game, it is with Blake Bortles. God. Not a great part of, like, Yeah, part of you really wants to see that. <laughs> Bortle just light it up. I, I, part of me would love to see that because I think the Jags on media day would be funny because of Blake Bortles, of Jalen Ramsey, Clay Campbell, all those guys, loads of personality. The Pats don't say anything during oh, media week. They're, they're it's boring. Just, it's Gronk and Gronk. Yeah, that's it because no one else says anything. Everyone yeah. else is... I mean, I mean yeah. Edelman's not there this year. It's yeah. just Gronk and whoever else wants to come through. Yeah, it, it would just be boring, but... Anyway, um, any final thoughts on this game? Uh, what about a score prediction from yourself and uh, and who's winning? Uh, score prediction. All right, I'll go... Jeez, mm, I don't know. I'll say <laughs> Pats 24. Not Pats 24? Nah, they'll put up more than that. Pats 28 and Jags 20. 28-20? Wow, 28-20. That's actually closer than... You thought. Um, I think Pats... You know what? I'm like, Pats 28-20, and I'm sure I'll like I'll still take the Pats like minus 10. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I'll go the Pats 31, Jags 13. Uh, I think they win comfortably. I think Bortles is the king of like just crap time. Yeah. <laughs> how, much, how much... I'm going to rip my hair out if he gets a... Gut, like Standard 2015 garbage time Blake costs uh, the cover... Yeah, but I'm going yeah. Pats 31-13, and uh, the Pats make it to the Super Bowl. 31-13. Yeah, easy oh, win. All right, Jags are the doing. easiest path, if you check out 538's Super Bowl cakewalk article, the teams with the easiest roads to the Super Bowl based on how their opponents would have fared against a generic conference finalist from 1990 to 2017. Pats have four inside the top 20, and this is easily the best. Um, and funnily enough, the Eagles in 2014 were uh, in t- 2004 were the second easiest route to a Super Bowl, beating the Vikings and the Falcons. Um, so that's definitely hang on, who do they beat? The Vikings and the Falcons. Holy! <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Man, I got just got chills. I've got, got some. Chills. Um, I've got some stats on that because Scott can, Langford. Can I? I just want to chime in here. Yep. One thing that I, I just want to give shout outs to were the um the little bit that they brought up on the broadcast in regards to the bird games. Did you Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I want that. to put a shout out to those guys cuz that was I felt like I was watching Pokemon Stadium. That was crazy. <laughs> and so so if you missed it the uh during the broadcast they Brought up a little, uh, what do they call them? Info. Infographic. Info, yeah, infographic yeah. things. And they're like, okay, so if you're a home team and you're playing, if if your team has a bird mascot and you're at home and you're playing another team with a bird mascot, they were 9 and 0, now 10 and 0. So that's just a, a crazy stat. And the fact that they all they did was just show like birds, like different birds flying into nests and things like that. It was, you know, shout out to the, the broadcasters there. That, that was. was- it was great. That's a lot of work went into that. Far out. How do you find great. that? I don't know. It was the best. It yeah. was the best. Those, um, those people must have all day to find <laughs> the most insane stats. It's crazy. All right. So, Pat's 28-20 from you. 31-13 to me. Um, I think they win comfortably. Eagles at uh, Vikings at Eagles. Can I just add an extra touchdown to mine? 
You want to add one? Yeah. I think it'll be high scoring. 34-20? Yeah. Let's go that. No, nope, that's not right. 35-20. Kostiowski is good for a miss. Yeah. Uh, oh, Wait, actually, not really. Playoffs. Oh, he did miss 2015. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Um, Vikings at Eagles. Now, you talk about getting chills here. Um, some S- Scott Langford. He said both times the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, they beat Minnesota in the playoffs to get there. The last time the Eagles made the Super Bowl, they played Minnesota and Atlanta to get there. That year, the Falcons played the Rams the week prior to meeting Philly, which is what happened this year. Oh, my God. And that game, Philly held Atlanta to 10 points. Oh, just like baby Jesus. Oh, my God. Um, and then on the other side of the bracket, New England was also in the championship game, having beaten the AFC South team. The in the, the divisional ride. Yes, yeah. that was arguably Peyton's worst ever game as a pro before he became a corpse in 2015. Um, and so that season, the Eagles led the NFC all year only to have their biggest offensive weapon go down in the final month to a leg injury that threatened to derail their momentum. Um, and that season, they phoned in their final gains and lost at home in Week 17 to a team without a winning record. Which is Cowboys. Just what happened this year? So wow. the similarities are eerily similar here. It's like two um, dimensions meeting up. Yeah, it is it's crazy. Crazy. Um, I have asked, um, uh, what's his name? One of the science guys. Um, I can't remember how to get to another timeline because a scenario where Brady has to beat Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, and Nick Foles to win a Super Bowl is not a timeline I want to be on. Um, plus President Trump. I'd rather go hey, to a you new. You know timeline. what? After all this, though, can't blame, can't blame Brady. Just, it just beats what's in front of him. I know, like it's, it's just, I know, it's just, it's just unbelievable how blessed he uh, he hey, is, is to it? to get, get this uh, to get this run. If um, they win, if they beat the Jags and they beat the Vikings or the Eagles in the Super Bowl, does he retire yet? Yeah, may as well, right? Like just he's losing all his coordinators. Nah, he, he's he's got the he's got you know he's peeved off at Belichick apparently. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that whole rumor thing is also Mate, something. Where there's we smoke, there's fire. There's definitely something going I'm on. I'm interested that you actually believe that because I believe it as well, but everyone thought thinks I'm just a hater, but there's definitely fire there, right? There, yeah. there has to be. The, Crap the, just can't keep coming out. The Jimmy Garoppolo trade made zero sense yep. considering what the Browns are willing to give up and, and all that sort of stuff. So that is something to to watch this offseason. It might be the end of, of a great dinner. It's kind of two dynasties because they won very early on. One of them will stay. Oh, one of them. Uh, they both could stay, but whether it's... No, I don't mean that. I mean, they were just like, as soon as one's ready to go, yeah. the other one will still be there. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Look, you, I... You're more likely to see Belichick stay after Brady than Brady yeah. stay after Belichick. Yeah, I think Bill Belichick's going to live forever. He's found the elixir of life. He, he's not going to He's not going to perish. He's just not built that way. Right. Although, same with Tom Brady in this awesome. TB12 method with, uh, with Guerrero. Hang on, I thought the TB12 method meant that he could train his body to never get injured. And here we are with the hand injury the week of the... Oh. What a, I don't know. He's got to fix his thumb workouts. Something to consider. Anyway, Eagles at Vikings plus three. The Eagles at home, second straight week. They've been dogs at home, but they love that mentality. Uh, some familiar approaches here for the Eagles and Vikings. They'll be studying one another, but it won't take long to appreciate their joint Similarities: Keenum and Foles, both teammates in the 2015 Rams. So Jeff Fisherball here, um, both sort of career backups, but uh, more likely to to become uh, Super Bowl champions potentially uh, here. But they both have dominant defensive lines and deep units able to cause havoc all day. So this is definitely a matchup of defenses. Um, Minnesota's number one defense against 
Philly's number four defense. If you're looking at DVOA, Philly ranks second in DVOA defense. Minnesota ranked third. All right, they uh, toss and turn, don't they? Yeah, so it's <laughs> pretty crazy in, in that regard. But uh, something to consider as well, the 2017 Minnesota Vikings defense is the best third down defense since the league began tracking third down conversions in 1991. They've only allowed 25.2 conversions on third down. So that's pretty pretty insane. But I think this battle comes down to the trenches, and I think it'll be one on which D-line can dominate the most. If the Vikings O-line can hold off Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and this ferocious D-line, then Case Keenan will be able to make plays and find his dynamic receivers for first downs and big gains. If not, Case Keenum last week, when he was kept clean, 116.5 pass rating. When he was pressured, 5.1. Um, he only that's, had, uh, that's a big it's, discrepancy. It's, it's a big discrepancy. I think he only had 3 of 11 for 42 yards and some wobbly passes that were kind of lost in the, in the in the glitz and glamour of that comeback last week. He had some ugly passes. One of those was that, that amazing play by Thielen on that final drive that sort of took attention away from how bad that pass was. But I do think that's going to be the, the key matchup here is this Vikings O-line against this Eagles D-line. Yeah, I think defense is very similar, but they're... Their offenses, I don't think, are anything alike. Like no. they're just <laughs> they they've they've both got their their systems. I think Minnesota have far more uh, big playability than what the what the Eagles do. But the Eagles seem to be, you know, last week they had some really cool play designs. There was one where it was like a reverse inside thing to Aguilar, whatever that was, and I was just like. You know, whoever designed that play, good job. They tried it again later. They read it, like, very well. Dontari, Dontari Poe was straight on that stuff. But, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know how... I don't know how successful this uh, Philly D-line is going to be. As much as, you know, they've got weapons galore. Chris Long, he... Speaking of Elixir of Life, that guy. Far out. Great dude as well. Yeah, such a good guy. Barnett. Playing lights out like that guy is yep. that guy's cool. Yep. And then you know you've got Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham as your other defensive ends who are the, like they're the starters. Yep. They've got plenty of you know fresh legs to keep throwing on there. Timmy Jernigan and uh, Fletcher Cox they'll be fine. But last week, even though they've got all these weapons, it just like it took them such a long time to get their groove on. Yeah. And I don't think. Like, Foles obviously isn't Drew Brees, and if the Vikings get out to a start, you're not going to see a Foles comeback. No, exactly, and that was a point I made. Like, some people will say, yeah, look, the Vikings, they gave a 17-0 lead away to the Saints on Sunday, but it's kind of glass half full because it's, it's Drew bloody Brees. Like, it's not Nick Foles. Like, he's not going to be the other same. But on the same coin of that, Philly gave up a lot of uh, gave up 10 points in the first half, but then they kept... Matt Ryan and Julio Jones ten scores. Points, ten points from turnovers, by the way. Yeah, Those were exactly. All turnovers. So they pretty much held this Atlanta team scoreless for for a lot of that game as well. So, and I wouldn't say that the Minnesota offense is as good as the Atlanta offense, as bad as and and up and down as the Atlanta offense has been. I do think they have probably more cattle across across the pitch than Minnesota do. I mean, they have an MVP quarterback and an All Pro wide receiver. So it, it's it's hard to... I can see Philly keeping this close. I think the plus three is absolutely spot on here from, from Vegas and the, the lines there. I think a field goal is going to be the difference in this game. And who do you trust more? Uh, Jake Elliott or, or Kai Forbath? It, it, it could come down to one Elliot of those two. missed a kick last week. Yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, and then he... But he then he gets a 53 yard. I know. It, it's like you can't... 
every every big kick, Elliot looks so calm. He doesn't. Ah, oh, it's crazy. And you know what? I feel so, I I do feel for um Caleb Sturgis who had a terrific year last year and then yeah. Gonski. Yeah. Uh, do you trust the Eagles O line? I th- I think they can be really dominant against Minnesota's defense, and if they can, they can probably get the ball running on the ground and execute those RPOs. The that play design you're talking about before, but I don't th- that play design. So that as soon as Collinsworth brings that up in the yeah. telecast, Twitter goes crazy with it. Like everyone had already thought about it and stuff like that. All right, shout out to Collinsworth. That yeah. guy is o- over under. How many minutes into the game do we hear the word RPO? Oh no, it's first three minutes. Or well, it depends if they get the, the ball. Yeah, yeah. If they start off with it <laughs> within to their first drive. Yeah. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Depends if they go straight out. I'll give it seven downs. Okay. No, not seven downs. Seven plays. Okay. I I will say the minute they the minute they get a first down through the air, that is when they'll mention the RPO. <laughs> That'll be the way that they do but it. You see this? It's not like the Vikings are gonna go. Hmm. I don't. I think they're gonna go away from that this week. They're gonna they're gonna understand what's going on. But what under Doug Peterson on doing something Andy Reid hasn't been able to do in a, in about adjust. six years? Yeah, adjust or uh, win a playoff game at home. Yeah. Uh, no, but it was good. As soon as they figured, like that was Foles' best game in the Eagles in the uniform second half this yeah. this season, yeah, definitely. And it's it was they adjusted. They went with what Foles is comfortable, comfortable with. with. Yeah. But you know what? It's so weird. The stuff that Wentz was doing. Obviously, he's comfortable with that, and it wasn't that complicated. I feel like the RPO is—that's is, a complicated thing. You've got mm. to like make like a, two a or three quick read. reads yeah. really quickly, and if you stuff up, you're smashed. So it's—it's mm. it's just a shame that Wentz is not available in this game because I really think the Eagles' roster is is super stellar, especially in the trenches where you want to be strong. Yeah, it is frustrating, and I it can't w- even it begin. It really to, would have been great to see. I don't know how, how do you how would you feel about potentially being in a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and it, it's going to be the biggest if it is Patriots and Eagles, which it has a, every chance of being. The, the Pats are going to be sort of double digit, near double digit favorites here. Um, it, I'm looking at the matchups, the hypotheticals. Uh, where are we? The uh, yeah, Pats would be over a touchdown favorite, a dollar thirty six. It could get ugly. Um. Yeah, I I just don't know. It, it would be a weird feeling, especially if you make the Super Bowl. If we were to win, I'm not. This isn't me trying to jump ahead, and you know. Yeah. But if Eagles were to win with Foles, God, it'd be such a weird feeling. I, like, I wouldn't know how. Thanks, to feel. mate, for winning as the Super Bowl. But you know, Wentz is still Cut, way yeah, better. Our uh, MVP candidate quarterbacks yeah. coming back. It, plus, but how would you feel if you didn't win the following year without Wentz? With Wentz, like it would just be weird. Yeah. Um, but it just shows the nature of playoffs and how random such a, every game, every playoff game is a, a one game sample size where like we saw it in the Rams Falcons game and we saw it early in this uh, Falcons Eagles game, special teams errors result in points. Like how many times have we seen a missed field goal or a blocked punt or a blocked kick or even a penalty on special teams change a whole game? Yep. It's got nothing to do with the quarterback whatsoever. So it could come down to a turnover or a, or a special teams blunder in this game. Every every season or off season, we're talking about you know there's like a bit of the uh, shining light that's been on footballs for football for so many decades is like slowly dimming, and you know people are getting like going away from football, mm. less fans at the games and stuff like that. And then you watch these playoff games, and you're like, damn, football's so good. Yeah, that, football in the playoffs. That playoff, that play last week was just a massive advertisement for the league. Yep. It, that was something they needed. I know they probably wanted New Orleans because they're a bigger, bigger market and very more, far more popular. But that ad's just going to hey, sell the game. Hey, but the marketing clout, the 
The skull. Yeah. See, Sean Payton did that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Uh, one last question for you. Can Halalapalatali Vatai, did I pronounce that right? Halapulivati Vatai. Can he hold off Everson Griffin? Uh, mm. He's been pretty good. He has. He has. <laughs> he has been. He's been surprisingly good. Yeah. I think um, there was times, though, when uh, both he... Um, and whoever was trying to, you know, double team and help him out were both kind of bull rushed back a bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Everson, Everson Griffin is a completely different beast. He's got so many moves to, he's got that, he does that reverse Freeney, um spin as well, which yeah. is just ankle breaking. Someone, someone did a little spin against Vitae last week and beat him. I'm trying to. Trying to rack my brain who it was. It probably would have been Tack McKinley. That's actually who it was. Yeah. And he did a spin move and I was like... If, like Tack is good. I was it's like, I know, it's good. Ha- I know it's hard to be a, uh, a tackle in this league, but yeah. you've just got to always be ready for the spin, right? Like, the spin is, like, the move. Correct. Anyway. All right. Uh, and you got to feel. you got to feel for Jason Peters sitting on the sideline. Yeah. And Wentz. It's and Wentz. Like, it's I know tough. Wentz, but J- Jason Peters has been around so, so, so long, and he's been so loyal. He would have been there in your last uh, last uh, playoff appearance or NFC Championship game. I don't know how long he's been with the team for. I think he started in 2004, actually, so he wouldn't have been an Eagle back then. He was in Buffalo. He was in Buffalo. Yeah, so no, this is this would be very, very frustrating for the for the great man. Um, one last thing. I mentioned turnovers and big plays and special teams. The Eagles, they've only allowed 40 passing plays of 20 or more yards or 10 plays of 40-plus yards. And they also have the best turnover differential in the NFL. Uh, the fourth best, yeah, as a plus 11. So if they are going to win, it could be a turnover of Case Keenum, getting some pressure, getting a pick six or two. That could be the difference in this game. All right, Woot, what's your prediction and score in this game? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Vikings. Oh, mm, actually, God. It is very warm. Vikings score <laughs> seventeen. Yep. Steelers scored twenty-four. Oh, he's predicting twenty-four points. No, it'll be closer than that. What am I doing? It'll be twenty. Twenty. Twenty seventeen. Okay. I like that score line, but the other way around. Oh, um, you're a I've jerk. got Minnesota twenty. You're a jerk. Philly seventeen. Nah. Sorry, mate. No, nah, not cool. Um, but it's worth noting. I hope McDaniel sucks. It's worth noting on the punt return every week this week. I've been picking the games. I've been I get I've got one right every week, one wrong over the last two weeks. So um, one play. So my two plays this week are the Pats and the Vikings. Oh, so great. I'm gonna so, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna get one right and I'm gonna get one wrong. And you know the Pats aren't losing, so I'll I'll get the Minnesota game wrong, and we'll see Brady versus Foles um, in <laughs> the best quarterback battle of the ages. It's Super Bowl 52. All right. Say everything works out and Philly makes the Super Bowl and potentially, or, you know, Foles plays really well. Yep. Are you, what do what Philly do with Foles? Trade him. Trade him? Yep. Is there a team out there that, like, you know, Foles is great? Imagine a world where Nick Foles is a Super Bowl MVP or Blake Bortles is a Super Bowl MVP. What a time to be alive. Insane. Saying that, I still really hope we get the Jags. Hope uh, <laughs> Patriots lose yeah, uh, and Philly get through. To Jags, Jags, Philly would be a crazy game. It would be a fun game. It would be something we'd never expected. And, I would love that. So that could happen, right? And then you've got the other side where if Minnesota makes it, they're playing the Super Bowl at home. Yeah. Against that would be crazy. Yeah. So that that is something. It's like a a silver lining, I guess, for 
I know you want Philly desperately in there, but as you said, it'd be weird if they did win with Nick Foles. It'd be a weird feeling. But to see a team have a home Super Bowl... It's still weird seeing Case Keenum win. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> so weird. But I'll say this. If Minnesota do have a home Super Bowl, as if, you're, as if your hotel, that you, whoever's homing the away team, as if you're not setting the fire alarm aloft every single night, every <laughs> single night, stuff the Yelp reviews, stuff TripAdvisor every single night, yeah. every single night. You would just disrupt them as best you could. You got to use that home field advantage for the best of your ability here. Why don't you just go to Airbnb and go to like a lodge? Yeah, you'd have to. You'd have to escape. That could be the way to go, or just stay in a different state and have to get a, an hour bus to, to to training or practice every week, mm-hmm. uh, every day until the Super Bowl. All right. Well, we'll be back. Uh, I don't know. Are we going to do a show next week to recap these games, or do we want next week off and then we'll just preview the Super Bowl? What? How are we going to do things? Yeah, I still can't believe it's a week. Yeah, two weeks. So lame. It's good, I guess, if players are in concussion protocol or injured or something, it gives them an extra time. Yeah, plus, we get to whatever. Watch, plus, we get to watch dodgeball between some uh, good players next week, mm-hmm. next Monday. I can't wait. All right, well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it and we'll we'll tweet that out. Or I think I think we'll be having a maybe little one. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll work it out. Cute one. That wraps up the show, and uh, it's good to have you back, Woot. And uh, we'll talk soon. Please check out Luna Park uh, Venues dot com for Luna Bolt tickets. This has been the punt return. Don't forget to check out readingtheplay.com to get the winning edge on all sports and racing. You can also check out all bets mentioned on today's podcast online at wootandwide.com. And make sure to follow each of the boys on Twitter at This Is Woot and at JYNFL. Or you can follow the podcast at Woot and Wide. And as always, gamble responsibly.